going to continue in our sermon series through the Bible, marriage, and family on Devoted. And we're going to be looking in Ephesians 5. Uh, but let me give, begin uh, just by giving a quick update on Pastor Wade, our brother and our friend. Uh, brother Wade, if you're watching online, we love you and we miss you. We're praying for you. We're uh, the update is this, that Brother Wade went to the beach with his family, went down to the coast, and uh, while he was there, came down, not with a shark attack, there was no shark attack, but he had to go to the hospital because of a diagnosis of a perforated diverticulitis, and uh, this is the prayer that he asked us to pray, is that uh, we'd be able to avoid surgery, that surgery would not be required, and that he would be able to come home on Monday, tomorrow, and that his wife, Brandy, would be able to administer those antibiotics that are needed to help treat that. But what we need to do right now, church family, is to gather and to pray for our brother and our friend. And so we're going to take some time to pray. If you feel led, I'd ask a few of you, just let's get some of us just come gather here down at the front. Um, a couple of guys, ladies, whoever feels led, come down here to the front and let's pray for our pastor together. And um, just lift him up to the Lord today. Heavenly Father, we come to you. Uh, we're thankful, Father, for your incredible provision and goodness. The way you care for us, meeting every need, supplying all that is required for us, Father. And right now, we just lift up our friend, uh, our pastor, uh, our brother Wade to you this morning, Lord, asking for your grace in his life. Lord, we're so thankful that you see so much more than an x-ray can see. You know so much more than any doctor knows. Your healing is so much more effective than any antibiotic can be. And so we lift Wade up to you right now, asking you to be the great physician. And certainly, Father, we ask for wisdom and discernment and insight to be given to those that are treating him and caring for him. Um, and we ask for the medicine to do what it is supposed to do. But ultimately, Father, we ask that you would heal and restore. Lord, we are are thankful for him. Lord, I pray that even right now you would give him uh, the Sabbath rest that his body needs, allow his body to rest and uh, heal, and uh, that you would be very present there. I pray for his boys. I pray for his wife, that you would be close to them. You would be their peace, their comfort, their rock, their firm foundation, and uh, just be near to them, Lord. And thank you so much, Father, again, for waiting. And the capacity that you've given him, the high bandwidth, the, the strength, the, the leadership uh, that you've gifted him with, the talent in that. And Lord, we ask that you would restore quickly Wade to full strength, that he might fulfill the calling that you've given him to lead and to shepherd this local body uh, in full strength. And so we just entrust our brother Wade to you today and ask you to do the healing work that he needs and bring him home quickly and uh, keep him from having to have that need of surgery. And uh, so, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. We pray it in Jesus' name and we say amen. Amen and amen. All right, folks, we are going to be continuing, like I said, in this series in Ephesians chapter 5 on husbands love your wives. Ephesians chapter 5, husbands love your wives. 
We're going to be beginning in verse 25, and we'll go to the end of that chapter. But let me say a few things by way of introduction when it comes to husbands loving your wives. I got this call uh, the other night. Hey, Jason, you're going to be preaching. You're going to be preaching this Sunday on husbands love your wives. And I could have gone to the bookstore and found some marriage help books in the Christian section, or I could have tried to get on YouTube, Five Life Hacks for Having a Happy Home. You know, you can figure out how to fix your sink on YouTube, but you cannot figure out how to fix your marriage on YouTube. And so we're going to look at the Word today. We're going to look at God's Word and see what it has to say about marriage. Guys, we're going to look at God's Word and see what it has to say to you husbands about loving your wife. And what it says is sharp. It has worn me out for the past 48 hours. I've loved my wife so good the last two days. And so I've gotten ready to preach this because it's convicted and cut. And may it do doubly to you as it is preached today. But God's Word is what we go to. And what you've got to determine in your mind today, gentlemen, is are you going to listen to the foolishness of this world when it comes to marriage? Are you going to listen to your own selfish heart when it comes to marriage? Or are you going to submit to God's Word and the whole counsel of God and what God's Word says you are to do when it comes to marriage and loving your wife? And I would encourage you to listen to the one who ordained it who created it, and listen to what he says, and that we are to act accordingly. And listen, I know that in this room today, there are folks in all sorts of different life stages. There's young men, there's young women who've never been married. There's marriages that are full of joy and happiness, marriages that are struggling. People have been impacted by divorce and the pain of that, and the loss of a spouse, all in different stages. But this is a word that each and every one of us need to hear. This is not just for husbands or for married couples. It's for all the church because this is a gospel issue. Marriage is a gospel issue. What Paul presents to us is rooted in the gospel. It's rooted in Christ's love for his bride, for the church. That's the picture. That's what we're given as our illustration. This is a gospel issue. And so it's for each and every one of us. It's for all of us because, again, marriage is ordained by God and it's to be supported and honored by his people. And so that's what we need to do here this morning. So this is for each one of us in here, not just husbands. And then thirdly, marriage is under attack. It's constantly under attack. I don't have to tell you that. You turn on the television, you look at social media, you listen to the news and you look at politics and the craziness of this world and the culture that we live in and you'll see that marriage is under attack. Why is that? Well, it's not just a 21st century question. It's a Garden of Eden question. Marriage from the very beginning, as soon as God ordained it and created it, where did Satan come? Where did the enemy of heaven attack? Very first thing came after marriage, wanted to destroy it. Because of the beautiful picture that it is intended to create of God taking unto himself a people and loving them and redeeming them and keeping them and loving them fast all the way to the end. And when the enemy of heaven saw that picture that was being created in heaven, he came right after it. 
and he went after it, and he goes after it in the town of Ephesus, where these believers are gathered together, worshiping their king, and trying to live out, what does this mean to, to love my wife, and to do marriage in this, and in that context of such idol worship, and pagan idolatry, and still today, marriage is under attack, and guess what? Your kids, when they get married, their marriages will be under attack. And when your grandkids get married, their marriages are going to be under attack. Until Jesus comes back for his bride and brings us home, marriage will be under attack. And so my encouragement to you is not just to get angrier and angrier about it as you watch TV. Not just to shout louder and louder about it. But to look to the word Submit to the word and let's love and marriage as God has called us to and be salt and light that God has called us to in the community where he has placed us. So now that that is out of the way by introduction, let's look now to God's word in Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 verses 25 through the end of the chapter. And this morning I would invite you if you're physically able to stand in honor of the reading of God's word today. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word. You can be seated this morning. All right, I'm going to give you a one-liner, a one-point, what I believe is the main point and thrust and focus of this passage that we just read together today. This is the call, husbands. This is the call, guys, of what this passage is saying. And here's my one point to you this morning. Love your wife like Jesus loves you. Love your wife like Jesus loves you. That kind of is an easy thing to say, but it's a much harder thing to do because how far did Christ's love go for you? Where did it go? Does it end? Did you have to get lovely and cleaned up to come to him? Love your wife like Jesus loves you. I'm so glad that Jesus loves me and all my brokenness and imperfections and sin and he loves me to the uttermost. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Not because I got smart, not because I got pretty, not because I got holy. He loved me, 
and died for me. And that is the call of this passage is to love your wife like Jesus loves you. The model for your love, guys, is Jesus Christ. And the measure and standard for the love that you're to have for your wife is the cross. That's the kind of love that we're to demonstrate to our spouses. Think about, just think on it, how great the affections are of Christ for his bride. How he loves his bride, how he cares for his bride and nurtures his bride. That's the picture we're given right here that we're called to in loving our spouse. Husbands, it says, love your wives. Love your wives. We're going to look at some of the different facets of that beautiful gem that's love today. But just think about the call there to love your wives. There's, you know, in English, we kind of got one word for love. It's love. Love, love, love. In Greek, there are a few words that Paul could have been inspired to use here for love. There's the phileo kind of love, not like a chick phileo kind of love, but a, a Philadelphia kind of love, the city of brotherly love, phileo love. It's that kind of bond and affection that the very best of friends have, that, that brothers have, that kind of closeness that going into battle with your brother kind of love and affection you would have for the one that's beside you. And are you to have that in marriage? Absolutely. You should have a brotherly love, that kind of fondness, a, a desire to play together and spend time together and have joy together and to recreate together, laugh together, adventure together. But that's not the word that Paul uses right here. There's another word that Paul could have used for husbands love your wives is the word eros, where you get the word erotic from. That sensual, physical love. Are you to have that in marriage? Absolutely. Beautiful part of marriage. But that's not the word that Paul uses right here. He uses the word agape, an agape kind of love. And what that is, it's a kind of love that doesn't focus on what I'm getting, but what I'm giving. It's a love that gives of self for the satisfaction and service of another. John F. Kennedy would probably put it something like this. Ask not how you can love yourself, but how you can love your wife. It's that sacrificial kind of love that we are called to give that's the love that Jesus is talking about, that is, Paul's talking about here. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ's love is self-sacrificing. That's the first thing I want you to see this morning is Christ's love is self-sacrificing. And our love should be self-sacrificing husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I was thinking about an illustration. What could be good illustration of sacrificial love? You know, the guy in the trench and the grenade comes in and he jumps on it to protect his buddies. But we don't need to come up with an illustration. The illustration's here. It's the cross. The illustration's the cross. It's the self-sacrificing love that Jesus has for each one of us. That's the love that husbands are to have for their bride. Christ's love was sacrificial. It, he was giving up. He was letting go. He was laying down. He gave up his prerogatives. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, 
did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped at or held onto, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ sacrificed himself for us. He died so that we might live. He loved me that much, and that's the kind of love that we're to have. Husbands, love your wife like Jesus loved you. Sacrificial love. I have no doubt in my mind that there are husbands in this room who would lay their lives down for their wives. They'd step in front of the car. They would take the bullet. They would fight off the intruder. You guys, there are people in here who would lay their lives down out of love for their wives. (laughs) But here's the thing, guys. What about the little things on Tuesday night or on Wednesday morning? Or when she says, hey, would you mind turning off the ball game and coming over here and helping me with that? (laughs) That's also the self-sacrificing kind of love that you're to have for your bride. It's not just the take the bullet kind of love. It's that dying to self, denying self, taking up the cross and loving your spouse. Like I said, I've been working hard at this in the last 48 hours, real hard. I was working on my sermon. My wife comes in and says, hey, can, I need to move some furniture into my room at school. Can we go in the truck and go move the furniture? I'm thinking, I've got to prepare this sermon. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to help you. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I got to serve my wife. And so I did, but my flesh immediately rose up. And that's what the kind of what I'm talking about when it comes to serving your spouse and self-sacrificing. That's what we are called to here. It's not what is best for me. We so often operate in that realm. Ask yourself, husband, what's best for her? Are you willing to do that? What's best for her? How can I serve her? How can I sacrifice myself, my self-interest to serve my spouse? Because listen, your marriage is not about your happiness. The chief end of marriage is not your happiness. It's the glory of God. That's the chief end of marriage. It's not about your happiness primarily. It's about God wanting to make you holy. It's not her job to keep you entertained throughout the day, make you happy. You're to love and honor her no matter what chief end of marriage is to glorify God. And Christ's love was also graciously sacrificial. We received love even though we were completely undeserving of it and undeserving of it every day. I do not deserve Christ's love for me today. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. I'm not, again, smart enough, happy enough. I haven't earned God's love today, but yet he graciously extends his love to me even when we are unlovely. He loves the unlovely. I vividly remember how good I looked the very first time my wife saw me. I looked so good. I was young. I was athletic. I could do this with my hair. You know that thing? I had hair. I could see things within an arm's reach. It was great. I looked so good. (laughs) I don't know what's happening. But it's not so anymore. My hair's falling out. (laughs) I need my greeters. I almost sent my wife to the store in between services to get a stronger prescription. 
I wake up sometimes and there's drool. I snored all night. And you know what? She loves me. And husbands, you are to love your wives even when you think, oh, that's not what I married. That's what God has called you to do. It's a gracious, sacrificial love that loves unlovely, loves when it's hard. That's the calling on each one of our lives. This kind of love is based on the love of Christ in me for her. It is not dependent on her attitude, her demeanor, her looks, her performance, or what she brings to the table for you. It is not a demanding, dominating kind of love. It's a sacrificial love that husbands are to have for their wives, laying their lives and their preferences down to love and serve their spouse. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Deny yourself, take up the cross, and love your wife. Christ's love is sanctifying, and ours should accompany that work as well. Listen to what these verses say. Husbands, love your wives. Christ loved the church, gave himself up, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, verse 27, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle in any such thing or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies to present her with holy and without blemish. Our love should be, have a purifying uh, aspect to it. Now listen, don't get me wrong. The only one who can sanctify is Christ. That's a work of the word. That's a work of the Holy Spirit in each one of our lives. The sanctifying work of God. But listen, husbands, your love should cooperate in the sanctifying work that God is doing in the, wife, in the life of your wife. You should cooperate in that. Christ is the one who sanctifies but we should join in that. Husbands, are you leading your family? Are you the, who set the alarm this morning to get up to go to church? Who is the one trying to get the family out the door? Who's the one that turns on worship music in the car? Who's the one in your family, in your relationship that says, can we pray together? Who's the one in your marriage that says, let's read the word together? What are you doing, husbands, in leading your family and leading your spouse towards loving Christ. We should be cooperating in that. What are you doing to help your wife love Jesus more every day? Are you leading your wife away from purity and holiness or towards it? Are you seeking to love and protect your wife and family from sin and evil influences or are you opening doors to it in your marriage and in your home? I was talking earlier about how, you know, we're ready to protect the house. We're ready. We're locked and loaded, ready to protect the house. Check the door. Make sure the bolts are locked. Make sure the garage door is down. What about in this area, in the sanctifying work that God wants to do in your family and in your marriage? Are there areas in your spiritual life where you're leaving the doors unlocked, where you've cracked them open? You've opened the door in your marriage. Go home, close them, lock them, bolt them, guard them. 
cooperate in the work that God wants to do to sanctify you, you and your wife and your family. Join him in that. Christ's love is sanctifying, and the love that a husband has for his wife should have a purifying effect in the relationship. Christ's love is attentive and caring, and our love also ought to be attentive and caring for our spouse. Look at verses 28 through 30. Verses 28 through 30 says, In the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. As you love and care for your own body, so you are to love your wife. You're to provide, you're to nourish. Guys, you're to work hard, you're to get up early, you're to work hard, you're to go to bed late, providing for your spouse, providing for your family. You're to nourish on a daily basis, bringing nourishment into the home and not just physical. It entails that, but think about how Christ meets every need that we have. He supplies our every need and so too, we should seek, husbands should seek to provide for the needs of their spouse. We're called to nourish that ongoing, constant nourishment that is referenced here. And we're also to cherish. We're to cherish as well in a warm and tender way that creates security and protection. Are you gentle with your spouse? Are you loving? Are you kind? And listen, in the same way that you would notice and listen to what your body is telling you, you listen to your wife. I started trying to work out about three, four months ago. I want to look like Wade. I want my shirt to bulge. I want you to see my arms underneath my shirt. And I started working out, man. I started getting after it every day, early, working hard. I tried to do five days in a row, and I came home. I could barely go up the stairs in my house. I needed ice, I needed aspirin, and I needed one of those muscle roller things on my body. I was listening to my body because I was hurting. Listen to your wife. Is she hurting? Does she have needs? Can you minister to her? Can you help her? Can you attend to her? In the same way that you would attend, you listen, you're attuned to your own body. Are you attentive to the needs of your spouse? Do you know where she's limping? Do you know where she's hurting? Do you know where the weaknesses are? And how are you coming alongside and ministering to her needs? Listen to your spouse. Be gentle with them. Cherish them. You tell your wife you love her and hold her. Do all those sweet things that you did at the beginning and do it all the way to the end. Cherish your spouse. And listen, Paul is saying more than just love her like your own body. There's a mystery here. She is your own body. When you love her, you're loving yourself. The two are made one. That's what it says. It leads us into the next, next aspect of the love that you're to have. Christ's plan and love is a uniting one. It creates oneness. And our love for our spouse should be unbreakable. Look at verse 31. Verse 31. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
Guys are to leave. Husbands are to leave your father and mother and create a new home, a new household, and you're to love. You gotta call you gotta call your mama and you say, Hey, I'm gone. I met her. I found my bride. I love you, mama. Love you, dad, but I'm leaving. I found the one that I'm called to love for the rest of my life. I'm leaving. I love you. I'll seek to honor you. I'll call, but I'm gone. Guys, you don't pick up the phone and call your mom when your wife doesn't make the food like you want or when you get upset. You're the daddy now. You're the one who's called to love your wife. You don't run to your mama. And so I would encourage you, young men, husbands, you leave and you cleave. That word, hold fast. Leave your, your father and mother and hold fast to your wife. Hold fast to the one that God has given you. It's that same word that an, uh, if there was a Greek bricklayer back in the day, this time of this writing, he'd be say, hey, hold me another, throw me another brick and some cement. I need to, I need to cement these bricks together. That's the hold fast. It's the cementing work that is done in marriage, this oneness, this unity that's created that's never to be broken. Your love and devotion to your wife is to be unbreakable, unbreakable, cemented together, having left father and mother, setting up a new home and a love there in that place. Listen, the math of Christian marriage is one plus one equals what? One. The math of Christian marriage is one plus one equals one. The two becoming one flesh, united, ministering to one another. That's the till death do us part kind of love that is to be in our marriages. And then what's the motivation? What's the motivation for this? How can I do this? It seems so hard. What's, how on earth can I love my wife in this way? Well, the gospel is your motivation, gentlemen. Look at verse 32. Hey, before I go to verse 32, let me go back to 31 for a second. That leave your father and mother. You know, that's a quote. That's a quote from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2, verses, verse 24 is where that quote is found. You know, we often think about the gospel and like the first uh, gospel prophecy, proclamation in scripture. Uh, and rightly so in Genesis 3.15, where the curse is put there upon that serpent of... Uh, you, that uh, you shall bruise his heel and he shall crush your head. And that's referring to the work of the cross and how uh, Satan will be destroyed and uh, the gospel be um, manifest, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But there's an there's a earlier gospel picture, even than that, in Genesis 2.24 of marriage right there, of what God has established in marriage. Again, God creating a picture of his love for his people, redeeming them, loving them all the way to the end. So the, the gospel is to be, be our motivation. Verse 32, the mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. All throughout this passage, Paul's going like back and forth between husbands love your wives and Christ loved the church. And okay, well, where are we, Paul? Are you talking about Christ loving the church? Or are you talking about husbands love your wife? And the answer is yes. 
That's the picture. Again, that's the model. That's the measure. That's what we are called to do. Marriage is to be an illustration of the gospel. A picture that extends all the way from Genesis to Revelation. From Adam and Eve to the wedding supper of the Lamb. The picture of marriage is to be a picture of the gospel. You know, God wasn't looking around uh, at, the, at the cross and death, burial, resurrection of his son and say, oh, I need to come up with a really good illustration uh, for the gospel. Oh, there's marriage. I'll pick that one. From the very beginning, God was using this picture of marriage as a picture of the gospel. And so the gospel is to be our motivation in loving our spouses. God's design for marriage from the very beginning was for it to be a picture to the world of Christ's love for his people. Look to the gospel. We go out on Wednesday nights. We have people that go out and share the gospel. We have evangelism training here. And we seek to share the gospel. We are constantly encouraging and equipping gospel fluency. And we want to be people that proclaim the gospel. But listen to me. You want to proclaim the gospel well? Love your wife. Stay married to her for 50, 60 years. As long as God gives you breath. Live the gospel in your marriage and show it to your children and show it to your grandchildren and your neighbors and your family. Let that be a gospel proclamation. God, ask the Lord to bless that as you love your spouse. Let the gospel be your motivation. Look at verse 33. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. Love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Love your wife. Respect your husband. All of this is imperative. It's command. It's not a choice. It's something that you're called to do. There's no asterisk beside it. You get Tuesdays and Thursdays off. There's no love your wife so that. It's not a manipulative kind of love. It's not a love your wife if. It's not a what she can bring to the table kind of love. The command is to love your spouse. Guys, love your spouse like Jesus loves you. In closing, I want to just uh, remind you of a couple of things, like a little bit of a Monday morning reality. Or maybe not even a Monday morning, maybe <laughs> this Sunday afternoon reality or on your way home kind of reality. And it's this, that we're sinful and selfish. And any progress you can make in this is a total gift of grace in your life. Can't do it on your own. I cannot love Beth like God has called me to love in my own strength. I can't grip my teeth hard enough. Can't white knuckle it hard enough. I can't find any tricks or shortcuts to doing it. And each one of us need grace as we pursue this high calling. We need grace. And let me give you ladies, wives, a little sermonette. A couple of words. A word of exhortation and a word of encouragement. Here's my word of exhortation to you ladies out there, to wives. Forgive your husbands. Show grace. Wade preached on this not too long ago. Forgive your husbands. Forgive. Husbands, love as Jesus has loved you. Wives, forgive as you've been forgiven. Beth, I need you to forgive me. Every day. All the time. 
Ladies, forgive your husbands. Give them grace. Show them grace. And here's my word of encouragement to you. Young ladies, listen up. All you young, young ladies down here at the front, married ladies, older ladies, listen up. Your value is not based on a man or husband's love for you. It goes up and down. You are loved. And that love is rooted in the perfect love of Christ. And he has redeemed you. And he is constantly pursuing you. He loves you. Find your security and your significance. Not in the love of some guy. Wives, not even in the love of your husbands. Find your security and your significance in the love that Jesus Christ has for you. And be confident and steadfast in that. And then you'll be able to forgive your husband when he's an ugglehead. So do it. Husbands, what are you going to do when you fall short, when you fail in this, when you mess up? Oh, when you mess up, when you snap at your wife, when you get huffy walking out the door, when you're holding something. Don't do it, guys. What you got to do is you got you to gospelize yourself. You got to repent. Repent and have faith. Faith and repentance. Say you're sorry. Come back to your wife in repentance. Because you're not going to get it right every time. So what do you do? You do the gospel. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. You repent and come back to your wife asking for forgiveness and grace. And you make that commitment to the oneness that God has called each and every one of us to. And again, you can't do this on your your own. You need Jesus. YouTube can't help you. Self-help can't help you. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can help God's people love as they should. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ can help broken husbands love their broken wives as they should. And that's the calling, and it's sharp. But that's what God has called each one of us to. And let's go to the Lord right now and ask for his grace to help us as we seek to do that. Father, each one of us in here is a sinner in need of grace and mercy. Our marriages are in need of grace and mercy, places of forgiveness, and there will be places of security in a world that's so full of confusion and sin and evil. May the marriages that are represented in this room be salt and light and protect them, Father. Help husbands to love sacrificially, being attentive and caring, seeking to come alongside your sanctifying work, contributing to the oneness that you've created. Lord, give grace in that to the husbands in this room, husbands-to-be. Lord, may uh, marriages again in this room be a a testimony of the, the gospel, the good news, and we need your grace in that. And so we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.